Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to the newest edition of Three In, Three Out. I am your host, Clinton Bonner. Find me out on Twitter at Clinton Bon. I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. You can find him out on Twitter at Seahawkers Pod. And Brandon, 45 minutes of a punter extension for four <laughs> more years. Four more years. Who's ready for 45 minutes of nothing but Dixon talk? Hey, I could talk Dixon all day. I mean, I that wasn't the plan coming into this afternoon, but the, the news that we got that came in ahead of the show, what do we, are we just going to scrap everything and talk Michael Dixon and, and punting news for the next 45 minutes? I, if we were to do that, I feel like we'd have to bring bring in our brethren from the uh, the Seahawks Nest podcast, right? <laughs> right. Because they had that, that punt hub uh dot com which is just genius uh only only to be trumped by their own only uh but only 12s right so uh, a, a luscious job by, by that troop the great dudes listen hey um i i tell you what i do like i love locking up a player that is really good at the thing he's supposed to be good at and you know flying in the face of like people like how are you gonna draft a punter and then hey three years later dude's getting a four-year extension Dude's been an all pro, at least pro bowler. I think all pro as well. All pro is rookie year and should have been all pro last year. Yes. He was really, I mean, like the sophomore year was okay. He was a good punter. Um, He just didn't have like the magic he had that first year, but he brought that magic back last year, man. So that dude's a game changer. I love some Dixon pile on all the Dixon. And I also love, I've said this before that he reminds me of Ryan from the office. He looks just like Ryan from the office, which is just an added bonus for that that level of snark that I think Dixon does carry himself. The thing about, I I think the reason why he got snubbed last year is because I look back at that, especially that first part of the season. And he was just, there were so many times where he would drill a ball down inside the 10 yard line, maybe inside the five. And then because the Seahawks defense was so bad at that point, they could never pin anybody deep. And, And you'd see these long drives and, and had he done that consistently and had the defense at least been average at that point of the season to where he was at the top of his game, I think people start to look at him a lot differently. And obviously, I, I think through these first three years, we knew that he was going to have to be a guy that the Seahawks targeted as paying long term. And so, yes, it, it makes all the sense when you when you scratch off that lottery ticket of a punter in the fifth round and he ends up being a guy who makes all pro He's a Pro Bowl caliber guy every single year. Then that's just the guy that you have to pay. Yeah, you just chalk it up. And I don't I'm not up to speed on what like the average punter gets paid. So I don't know if that was it four year, 14 million, 10 million the first two years. I don't know if that's, you know, somewhere that punters get paid. I'm assuming (laughs) it's a little bit on the on the high scale of what punters get paid. And it ought to be, you know, it ought to be the dude hopefully will punt for another decade as a Seattle Seahawk and Hey, he's he's a fantastic again, fantastic at what he does. He's a specialist. He does it darn well and super excited to have the dude back. So it wasn't it's not the topic of the day. However, well, uh, let me just answer your question real quick, because if you look at the punter salaries right now, the guy at the very top, uh, well, and and the two guys who are considered two of the top punters in the NFL, Johnny Hecker and Tress Way for Washington. And we know Hecker plays for the Rams and uh, both those guys in their early 30s. Hecker is making an average of almost $4 million a year and Tress weigh about $3.5 million per year. So when you're talking about that extension, and uh, yes, it was $10 million over the over the first two years, I think it's probably going to average out somewhere between that $4 million to $5 million range. So I, I think it is going to make Dixon the top paid punter in the NFL, but he's also the youngest out of these guys and... You know, you, you want to lock those guys up long term. By the time he gets to the end of his contract, you're going to be saying, OK, well, it's for the for the type of pundery that he is. And yes, I'm sure there's probably going to be people out there that say, well, you know, you don't draft a punter. You don't even pay a punter more than three million dollars a year, just like you don't pay a field goal kicker. I mean, you don't want to use your punter ever. But when you do, you want to have a good one. Yeah, you want it. Yeah, you want to have a great one. And we do. And hey, if he's set in the market at at, at his young age and then, dude, keep keep getting them checks right good for him and uh you know like that's as you said that that is the kind of dude that you just you just chalk it up and say yep we gotta pay that guy and and away we go and and hey think about his life right uh australian guy correct he's an he's an aussie i believe by by, okay so yeah an australian guy 
who the heck knows when he started, you know, diving into American football, played all the other sports with the, with the feet over there down under. And now he is, I'm assuming, the highest paid punter in the history of the world. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so, you know, just a, just a rando punter, uh, you know, coming over from Australia. And now now he's now he's the top of the top of the hill. Good for him, man. That's uh, I'm pumped. He's a Seahawk. And I also like him. Like, you know, just a, we've had fun punters. We've had fun. We've had fun dudes like in that role for a while now with Ryan back in the day and then and then Dixon. And I don't know, he just seems he seems like a, he's got a little bit of a bravado to him, certainly a little cocky. I think he looks like a pretty funny dude. So I'm excited that he's, uh, you know, he's part of our culture. Yeah. When you have a guy who has the cojones to take the ball from the back of the end zone and roll out planning on taking a safety, but then sees an opening to where he can get the first down and takes it. That's the kind of punter I want on my team. And that is the kind of punter we have. So congrats to Dixon and uh, very excited that we, I mean, I mean it very excited. We got to lead out with some, with some actual new, you know, brand new Seahawks news. And, uh, can't wait to see the dude for for four more plus years here with the extension. So it's a lovely, lovely re-signing and extension. And believe believe it or don't, Brandon, that was not the full on topic for the day. Oh. However, I'm sure we could wax, you know, wax up poetic for for 40 more minutes on on our guy there. And we were going to look at we started a couple of weeks ago with this idea on three and three out there. We're going to look at the top three players in the NFC West basically going down the line position by position. So we, we did a, a run of running back wide receiver quarterback two times ago. Then we had the great show about, uh, about uh, Julio Jones, which by the way, I, I will say we were, we were on that early. We were on that, like from jump street. We, I, I think we were the first pod out there that I saw before all the other pods jumped on the, Oh, we should probably talk about this. So I, I so kudos to us for being there nice and early on that one. Um, I still hope we don't sign him. Just that's that's the way I, I still see it that way. I have not been swayed just yet. And the moment we do sign him, go number 11, go, go Hawks, go, go. Julio. Will be number one Julio Jones fan. That's it. But both of his ones to make his 11 will be me two times. Number one, number one fan. I'll, I'll be I'll be the number one. I'm into it. Um, and with that, I still want to see DK be the alpha and have him have him progress. We covered that last week it, it, and it'll be exciting to see what happens. But this week, Brandon, we have a new batch of players we're going to cover. Why don't you tell the good folks who we're looking at this week from a position standpoint? Yes. And, you know, last time you mentioned we looked at offense and we want to switch over to defense. We, we still do have a couple positions on offense, but we do. It's, we, do. Uh, we need to switch over to defense for this one. And I, I wasn't completely clear going into this that at the different position groups that we're going to look at because... We're going to break this down uh, and actually break the defensive line into the defensive interior as well as the edge players and then look at linebacker. And I know Phil's here, so we have to save time for some paying games uh, toward the end of the show. And this this I think and then we can revisit the corners and the safeties in a later show. But one of the reasons why I like doing this, Clinton, is because it really shows the strengths of the particular teams within your division. And maybe we can say that, hey, the Seahawks are maybe deficient at this particular spot because they don't have a top three guy, whereas mm -hmm. there, there, there are top three guys. And for the ones that we're going to be covering today, I think we're going to get to some Seahawks, too. Yeah, there's some of the there's maybe some at the top. There might be some at the middle. And and hey, at the end of the day, it's a Seahawks podcast. So if we squeeze one in there at, a, at, at the bronze medal, uh, well, then, you know, you got to live with it. You're listening. You're listening to our podcast and we're Seahawks fans. So deal. Well, let's say we start right up front with the defensive interior. And this is probably the easiest spot to pick the number one guy. Last time we started with quarterback, Russell Wilson was the obvious choice within the division. And I'll I take this one. I'll, I'll you're take gonna this one. You're going to yeah, jump oh, in yeah. and take this one. You I, think it's <laughs> I will take this. So, so starting defensive tackle that it, this actually, you Puna know, Ford. Me, me, just say it. Puna Ford. Uh, no, no. no. <laughs> Al thigh arms. Woods is clearly <laughs> the best interior player in the NFC West. So Al Woods, number one in our hearts and, and, and his thigh arms are back with the Seahawks. Of course, it's not Albert Woods. We love Al Woods. Excited that that man is back. He will be a big plug in the middle like he was a couple of years ago. And and you have an all timer. It's Aaron Donald. Yes. Uh, OK, we, we know this already. And it might be interesting to look at like just how dominant Aaron. It's, it's one of those things where it's like you watch Trout or you watch Pujols for all these years 
or you watch like say Nolan Ryan back in his heyday, um, you know, Tom Seaver back in his heyday. Hey, Jacob, De, Jacob DeGrom right now. And I think DeGrom might be the best one where you kind of might maybe lose sight of how great that dude is. Cause you're kind of watching it as it's happening. And then maybe if you remove yourself or a little bit of time goes by their greatness actually even becomes more great, but Aaron Donald's gotta be at this point. What do you think? A, a top five, top 10 defensive player ever. I mean, he's, he's up there, isn't he? He's, he's definitely a first ballot hall of famer. Uh, I mean, when you look at his numbers going back the last five years, Every single year, he's over 80 pressures. He's usually in the hundreds. In terms of sacks, the last four years, double digits every single year. And then you know, through his entire career, going back to 2014, the, the two seasons that he was outside of double digits, eight sacks, nine sacks. So he's, he's right there on the edge. And man, those 2014, 15, 16 Ram teams weren't exactly great either. So right, he's right. just a guy that... Every single time you you have to know it's just a guy that you watch uh, regardless of, you know, you love to hate him, obviously, as an opposing fan. But uh, a guy that you look at and say, yeah, that's we're, we're watching a future Hall of Famer. Yep. The, the gold jacket, the, the very large gold jacket will be uh, will be lined up for him at, at whatever it is, five years after he's retired to the day. Uh, quite, quite, quite the player there. So. Uh, so that's the obvious one. Why don't you, why don't you take a, 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 a goosey gander at your number two? Who do you like? You know, number two is tough. Uh, I know you have your sentimental favorite with Al Woods. I am <laughs> sure. Sure. And, and my, my number three and number two in the division, they're really close. And I'm going to give the edge to Puna Ford because Ooh. he is, I, I think he over my number three guy. He has a little bit better. Uh, he's a little bit better in terms of his pass rush ability. You know, in terms of of interior guys, now that Jaron Reed was released from the Seahawks, Michael Brockers right. got traded from the Rams to the Lions. In terms of interior guys, there's, it's not a strong group, especially when you're looking at pass rush. But Puna Ford last season with three sacks, you know, he's also got a lot of run stops to his name. So Puna Ford's the guy that I put at number two. Yeah. And I was thinking uh, before when I was doing, doing some light research, I was like, you know what? I think, I think if Reed's still on this team that he slots into number two and this is a dude who's, who's been a little bit vilified, right? You know, Jaron, Jaron Reed actually had a pretty darn good career. And when he, when he had that partner in crime, whether that be Clark or, or, you know, this, this year when, when Dunlap came over, he was pretty darn effective. And yet, you know, he, he was kind of just like, all right, we're, we're, He's just not going to be part, part of this team going forward. And I think he would have been a clear number two in the division uh, if he was still here. So, so for me, it's too, it's like, I, I'm interested to, I'm very interested to know, like who, who else did you have here? Because I am struggling a bit to be like, who's that third dude. And I know it's a bit of homerism, but I had, I had Puna in there too. And I'm like, all right, there's a bunch of dudes here, but are, are any of them really kind of standing out to you as top three? Yeah, Phil in the chat says Eric Armstead. I think he actually classifies as a defensive yeah, end. So I, I, would, I, I think I put him at edge. The guy, me too. That, the guy that I had at number three is Sebastian Joseph Day of the mm -hmm. Rams. And that is because, yes, he may not get to the passer ever, but he is an effective run stopper in terms of run stop win rate. He's top five in the NFL. So Sebastian Joseph Day of the Rams, I, I got to give it to him. No, I mean, I think that's, that's a nice, a nice pairing there. And you, and I, you always have to kind of wonder like in a vacuum if, and I, I realize you can't do that. There's a system here, but if you're not playing next to Aaron Donald, you know, what, what, what happens to SJD there? Like how, how good's SJD? However, um, you know, however, that, that is a good defense and there's a re it's not just Aaron Donald. Their, their line's been good for quite a while there. Um, so I like it. And I also had, you know, Armstead, cause I think when we get to DEs, there's, there's, there's a there's some good arguments to be had on on who will kind of be on the pedestal there, but I also had Eric Armstead as a as an end also. I don't I don't know if uh, if the Niners slide slide him inside and kind of do some hybrid stuff, but I always looked at Armstead as as kind of an outside guy. Yeah, I think I think when they're you know in in their NASCAR package, I think he has that ability to rush from the inside. The the other guy that I considered here was Javon Kinlaw for the 49ers yeah. and you know, he's coming off his rookie season in terms of a, a long-term guy that has upside. 
he's definitely right on the edge for me. And uh, he, he was one of the guys I did have to consider. Yeah. Kinlaw for me was like that. That was the, the bubble dude too. And I was just like, did we see enough after a year? That's like, that's the guy. And two weeks ago when we did, when we did the uh, wide receivers, I actually put Brandon Ayuk in as number three after, after seeing that rookie year. And I put him up, I put him, I know it might be a little sacrilege, but I put him quote unquote ahead of Lockett in this top three in the division. Uh, it, was position -wise. it was sacrilege. Yeah. It, yeah. It still feels, still feels really <laughs> bad. So very, very, very dirty. And with that, I think I, I did see enough from Ayuk to be like, man, that guy, that guy's got it. And you know, the bottom line is Lockett's going, he's getting a little older. Lockett's not not as fast as it used to be. So kind of revisiting that. So I, I was looking at this too, being like, am I going to put a, you know, a sophomore 49er on this pedestal two, two times in a row. And I just couldn't do it. So he's just, he's just outside. However, he's outside, but he's also got lots of upside. All right. Well, I think in this next group of edge rushers, I am going to put a, well, I guess he's not a sophomore anymore. He's, he's going into his third year, but missed out on his sophomore season due to injury. And the number one for me would be Nick Mosa. Yeah, I got I got Mr. Nick um also as the number one. And it and it's it does it does feel like a sophomore year because really the the whole that whole next last year was was a wash, right? So uh sure going into his junior junior campaign, but really his second season. Um I mean it, the thing with, with this guy is like he it's just he was he was as advertised, right? Like, you know, coming out, they they get the high pick, they they scoop up Bosa and he's just He's just kind of a wrecker. He's just, he's he's just darn good. And we're going to talk about some other other defensive ends here who, who, are, who are quite good. So I think he's also for me. I think he's number one, but also I think he's got some distance between him and then kind of the rest of the pack as well. It, it definitely is some distance, which made him the easy number one. 102 pressures in that 2019 season. Uh, didn't really play enough to really even point to his 2020 stats, but 14 sacks. And that rookie season for him. And yeah, just uh, uh, also, you know, run, in terms of run stops, picked up a bunch of those too. Number two for me, a little bit more difficult, but I got to go just based, especially based off of the impact that this player has whenever the Seahawks face the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. I got to go with Chandler Jones. Yeah, I had Chandler Jones too, also. And I have a sneaking suspicion that you and I have a have a, a tie for third, if you will, uh, a same person sitting there. Um, and it's I know I know Adam on the Seahawkers pod. He kind of hates Chandler Jones <laughs> he, like, and, he and not and, and not like, oh, this guy's really good. Therefore, it, you know, therefore I hate him. He just doesn't think he's a very good football player. <laughs> right. Well, so I we, think we just, he, the, the thing is, is that in terms of. I, I don't know. With Adam, he he has players that in his mind are uh, are good players that maybe get a little bit overrated in terms of their production. And right. I mean, Chandler Jones produces every single year. And yeah, I guess Matt, you could probably throw Matt Ryan into that same category as I, I think he looks at them as good players, but maybe overrated in terms of the eyes of of, you know, how much uh, greatness they get based on their statistics. But right, based right. on the statistics I, I, that Chandler Jones always puts up against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, I mean, gosh, the guy has like three, four sacks almost every game on Russell Wilson. Yeah, it's 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 an S it's, it's an S show every single time <laughs> out there. It's not fun. It's not funny. It's not fun. And yet, you know, and Jones has done it for a long time, too. Right. He's been he's been hyper consistent. Good times, bad times. OK, teams, decent teams, good teams. He's just since since coming over from from the Patriots, and frankly, before that, he was he was a good Patriot too. It's been a it's been a blockbuster trade for them. Has worked out extremely extremely well. And for me, Chandler Jones is number two as well. I do want to add that for me, I think I've got one of those players in the NFC West also that I always look at and be. And for me, I'm like, you know, this guy's just like people love him. People rave about him. I wonder if you can guess who this is. So NFC West where people are always like, oh yeah. And by the way, he's, he's got, a, he's got a name that people always say it a certain way. You have to say the name a certain way. And I'm, and I'm always like, I don't think he's that good. Oh, so we're not talking defense here. We're talking. No, offense. no I'm, ju I'm jumping. I'm just all over the place. I'm, I'm just going with a person that I feel that I actually know yeah. that I probably have some bias around that. I'm like, I don't think this guy's as good as everybody says he is. Yeah, I know you're talking about Cooper cup. 
Uh, talk about Cooper Cup. And I, and I love to talk about Cooper Cup a little bit because, yes, I know, I, I get it. I, maybe this is what Adam's doing with Chandler Jones. Like, yeah, I get it. The dude's good. And he's not that good. And by the way, I've seen Cooper Cup drop significant passes and touchdowns against our Seahawks in big spots where I'm like, you know what? If you were a bit more clutch, like everybody says you are, you'd catch that freaking ball. Right. Well, let's move on to number three. I'm kind of curious of who your guy was here because, uh, and, and maybe you want me to go ahead here, but this, it no, was a little bit uh, difficult okay. for me because there there's probably three guys that I, I, I struggled with putting in the spot. There is depth here. Uh, so why don't we do this? Why don't we, why don't we say our, our guy on the count of three? So like one, two, three, say the guy. All right, How's that sound? Let's do that. All right. Ready? One, two, three. Three JJ Watt. Okay, all <laughs> not right. the so, same guy. See, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I get it. We're talking about another another Hall of Famer, right? I, in your case, um, totally understand that the guy's getting fitted for uh, for Canton as we speak. Yeah. You know, per- perennially, perennially, and I don't know. We're talking like right now, like right now. Do you really think JJ Watt's a better player than Carlos Dunlap? This right is now. where I, I had to kind of go through the thought process in my mind of, of how I was going to do these rankings. And if I were taking a player in terms of value, I would take Dunlap. But they're both guys that are the same age right now. I, I know there are injury issues with J.J. Watt. I, I kind of push those a little bit to the side because injuries, you never know what's necessarily going to happen. And if I were drafting a player, regardless of salary, he would be the guy that I would take after the first two. Okay. I mean, it's a, it's okay that you're wrong sometimes, Brandon, that that's, <laughs> that's totally fine. And, you know, I, I hope, I, I actually hope you're wrong in the sense that I hope that Arizona overpaid. I think they overpaid, oh, they kind overpaid of regardless because and, it's, and yeah, I mean, yeah, it's yeah, they what, like a, for sure, for sure. I think like he's that's, getting paid 15 million just for this year. Now, if you go and look at over the cap, they have it as like a $5 million salary for this year, but it's because they gave him a $12 million bonus spread out over five years. So it, it's a significant salary for this one year. And Carlos Dunlap, a far better value at the spot. Yeah. And, and I, I will just argue that I think he's a better player at this point. And it's because of things like, I know, I understand the injury bug come up and bite anybody in a year. I get that. However, the injury bug has gotten JJ for, you know, the last several years. I just don't think he is the kind of player he was three, four, five, six years ago. Whereas Dunlap might be like, you know, the, the tortoise and the hare type thing here where JJ's the hare, JJ is going to Canton. We get all that, but, but good old Dunlap just keeps on trucking. And the change of scenery last year obviously was good for him to get, to get into a different culture, to get the heck out of Cincinnati with their, with their, you know, their chili on top of spaghetti. They like to call, they like to call chili. Uh, it's okay. It's actually pretty, pretty, pretty tasty. I know, I know that Keith Ketover is a big fan, so I'm not gonna, not gonna rank too, too much on the skyline chili. It's actually quite lovely. Um, but with that, it was an, it, it was a, a resurgence of him back to, back to where he was when the Bengals were, were still the bungles, still not good. But, but when Geno Atkins was, was firing on all cylinders and it was him and Dunlap and they had that one, two combo. I, I don't know. I think right now, Brandon, I still think Dunlap is a better overall player player than, than JJ. And I would imagine by the way, that there's a dude sitting there that that's now falling to the five spot. That's gotta be the same guy for both of us who, who could who I think I think I'm a fan of a different team might argue should be should be the number three. Who do you who do you have there by the way? Yeah, the the last guy I was considering here was Leonard Floyd. Yeah. Okay. Me too. Me too. And and I don't know if it's just a okay. You know, once again you're paired up with Donald, but I don't know. I think he's been good throughout his career, and and he's and he another guy that just causes havoc when we play them too, right? So. Uh, I think Leonard Floyd's a, a very nice defensive end, good, good rusher. I know they have him listed as a linebacker in the three, four and the whole thing already, but he's a, he's a DE at, for our, for our purposes. But again, I think as a complete, a more complete player, I think Dunlap is still, still, still number three for me. But well, we are recording live via the locker room app and people have a chance to raise their hand, come into the conversation. We've made it through the defensive line rankings, Clinton. I know we have some pain games planned uh, coming up with Phil, 
But before we get to that, before we get to our linebacker rankings, I, I just want to invite anybody to come in. And if they have somebody on the defensive line that maybe they would rank a little bit higher, maybe we miss somebody. Anybody wants to raise their hand, come in, offer up their opinion. Please do. Yeah. It's uh, you know, sometimes we're, we're not right. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, 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 I tend to defer to you being right with that last one <laughs> since you picked a Seahawks player in number in spot number three. Right. Right. That, that's, you know, we're on a Seahawks podcast. The default thing to do is it's like, you know, it's it's if you're not sure, take the Seahawk, right? That that's uh, yeah. I kind of wish you would have done that do, with the receivers, sure. but here we are. Yeah, I, I'm still I'm still I'm still hurt for I'm emotionally uh, hurt for that one. I, I hurt myself, you know. Well, see, I, I I'll have to see how I feel a week out from now with JJ Watt in there as my number three. I, I've just always been a fan of him, so uh, it, it's not hard. It, it's it's tough though now that he's a Cardinal. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, it's a great great player, and you know. It always seemed like a pretty fun personality and just, you know, it's kind of takes off the field, very serious on the field has, has seemed seemingly has a good demeanor off the field, obviously did some amazing things when, uh, when Houston was in trouble. Uh, what was that back with the hurricane, oh, yeah. the Lots flooding of charity and, work you know, every single year? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, definitely, definitely not a dude. You're like, Oh, this guy's a bum or he's a scrub or, or he's, you know, he's, he's a menace. None of those things. Um, and, and yet give me, give me Dunlap. Hey, we got anybody, anybody cooking that wants to come on in or we are, what's our, what's our chart? No, no. But Phil in the chat did come in and said, it seemed like Puna was a Homer pick until I looked at the other defensive tackles in the division. Right. That's the thing. It's like that. And you know what? That might just be the, this, I don't know. Are there that many across the board defensive tackles? I mean, you got Sue and, and there, there are, of course, some we're going to pull out there, but um, you know, and, and again, that, that goes back to, allowing a guy like like Jaron Reed just to walk when we talked like hey that guy's kind of been a B B plus player for a lot of years here and he actually does create quite a bit of pressure especially when he has his 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 other guy the alpha um I've been kind of saying for a while we might miss him more than we think we're going to but then but then again we got we got a good you know we got out we got thigh arms coming in so I think we'll I think we'll be all right well let's move on to linebacker close this out with and and you know at this number one spot you, you can say we're going Homer here, but I think there's a case to be made that Bobby Wagner still is the top linebacker in the NFC West. And I don't know, maybe you disagree with me, Clinton, but in terms of his consistency, in terms of his Hall of Fame pedigree, you know, talking about another guy who's going to be a future Hall of Famer with the number of of all pro seasons that he's had over his career. Shoot. With one more all pro season. He is at the top in terms of ranking up there with guys like Ray Lewis and Mike Singletary. Those are the only two guys at inside linebacker who have more all pro seasons than Bobby Wagner. Yeah, that's insane. And and I don't I, I mean, yes, he was he did, did he look maybe a hair slower this last year, year and a half? Yeah, maybe, I guess, you know, and it's like and so what the guy the guy still was it two years ago? Had like 160 tackles last year, almost had 140 tackles. Like he's still, it's, it's like so consistently good that you almost become numb or you, you become like unaware of what you have. Right. Until, until there's a vacuum that you're like, Oh wow, Bobby Wagner's not, that's, he's not there anymore. And thankfully we still got hopefully quite a number of years where he, where he's playing at a high caliber to me, he's the, Hands down, number one. Um, and, and I you mean, know, the, you can ahead. say there's spots where, yeah, okay, maybe you took a step back in terms of having double-digit missed tackles for only the third time in his career last season. But he was right at 10. So, and and his in terms of his missing percentage, uh, it was just a hair over his career missed tackle percentage, 6.4, averaging 5.6 over his career. So mm-hmm. he's he's right there in terms of giving up receptions he's still right in the 70 percent range where he's been at his career so i i think that he's really stuck close to his career numbers so uh yes he continues to be impressive the only argument i could make for the guy at number two to be at number one is if you're talking about value in terms of the contract versus the production that you get so I don't know who, exactly maybe which guy you're talking. So I'll throw my number two out there and maybe it's the same dude. Um, 
it's this is you know sometimes you watch uh, and this is nice because these are the NFC West teams, so you get to see them twice a year. And sometimes you just watch other other teams. You're like, man, I like that guy. Like I that, like that this this particular player. Like man, that guy's everywhere. Like that guy's on the ball all the time. Like it's just this dude to me is that type of player. Don't like the team, but I, I can't hate the player. I think Fred Warner is a very, very, very good, good linebacker oh, yeah. and, and fun, fun to watch. And it's just like, if you were like, what, what's the definition of a solid, just a solid linebacker who just does everything really, really well. I mean, that, that's, that's the dude right there. But again, you look at Wagner, even stats wise and down, down to Warner, you know, even Wagner in, in a couple of years, uh, you know, progressed at this point. He still got higher production than, than Warner does. So I do think the Delta is still there, but I really like Fred Warner. I think he's a darn good football player. Yeah. If you were going to pick a guy, though, of of a linebacker in the division that you wanted over the next four to five years, that guy would be Fred Warner. So in terms of if you're projecting out long term, there is going to be a year. It could even be as soon as next year, where right. as Seahawks fans, we have to say, Okay, Bobby's no longer the best linebacker in the division. It's Fred Warner. And I, I think that time it's coming. I don't know if it's next year, but it could be two, three years down the road. Yeah, hopefully you never know, right? Hopefully we get this kind of uh, I mean Bobby will we'll knock on a little wood. Bobby's been uh for the most part a very healthy ball player. And uh, you know, the the way in which that the, the dudes just across the board keep themselves in like it's like every year the level of shape and the level of like the level uh, that they come in in terms of uh, just pure physical fitness. And then what they end up doing later in their careers, where maybe they're like, you know what, I'm going to drop seven pounds this year because I got to get that little bit of speed back. These dudes are just, they're just different now, now than they were even 10 years ago. And then way, way different than even like, you know, that 20, 25 years ago, when you go back into like the nineties, they, the healthy ones, the greats, I think they have the opportunity to keep playing, keep playing longer. And of course, at some point, uh, Father Time's going to do what Father Time does, but not quite yet. Wagner over Warner for at least, I think, two more years. Now, see, this is the correct take to have. And Jeremy brought it up in the chat. By the time Bobby isn't the best linebacker in the division, it's not going to be Warner. It's going to be Jordan Brooks moving into the number one spot. I like that. That's, that is, that's a lovely, that's a spicy meet the ball. And I love, I love that thought and that philosophy. Speaking of Brooks, just, I mean, I don't, I don't think Brooks is going to be on the pedestal quite yet. Maybe I don't want to, I don't want to jump the gun here, but I will say, man, I, I, I I like that guy's speed. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm very excited to see where Brooks will be. You know, if, if he ends up being on the field, let's say, you know, 85, 90, 95 percent of the time, how much productivity can, can we get out of Jordan Brooks? And he was it wasn't like just, oh, he showed flashes. It was it was more than that. It was more than just showing flashes and he just has a, a, a beautiful instinctiveness and his sideline to sideline ability. It's insane. It's super. I love it. And in this kind of division where you got dudes who are doing all the misdirection, everything they're going to do, which a lot of the league is now doing, that's that's why we draft. That's why we go out and, and get Brooks a couple of years ago when it's like, what are we doing drafting a linebacker? Well, now it's like, yeah, aren't we glad we got a guy like Brooks coming into this year because he is probably going to be our number two, which maybe brings us to the number three linebacker. And what do we do here, Brandon? I got an asterisk on mine. I don't know about you. Yeah, I, I have uh, some parentheses in mind that say slot reserved for KJ Wright because he's still unsigned. And to me, he's the the number three guy if he if he is with the team, but he's currently not with the team. So what do we do? Phil in the chat says Greenlaw or Simmons for number three. That's kind of where I'm at. Dre Greenlaw for the 49ers, Isaiah Simmons for the Arizona Cardinals. And you know, Simmons going into his second year, I I really liked him coming out of college. And so if I were to pick, if I had the ability to draft guys and, and bring them to the Seahawks, I think it would be Isaiah Simmons who I'd pick here at my number three. So Isaiah Simmons is, is to me the, 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 very, the very sexy pick. And I, I don't have a good memory or just recollection. Well, I don't have a good memory, period. But in this case, I don't have a lot of knowledge about how he showed out last year from, from what I remember, it was like, they didn't quite figure it out yet with him. And like later in the season, he was starting to show out a bit more. Do you have a, you know, a, can you help me fill the gaps in there? Because I'm, I'm blanking a little bit with 
how he progressed throughout the year. Well, I know he did have the interception on Russell Wilson uh, as we yeah, were trying yeah. to make the comeback against the Cardinals. Yeah, that was, so that was not a good, not a good, not a good throw. <laughs> that a, was not a good throw. Not a good memory there. But then, you know, I have a bad Dre Greenlaw memory too of uh, our our tight end about one yard short of crossing the goal line to give us the win for the NFC West title uh, two years ago. So it's it, it, I have bad memories with both these guys. Yeah, so that doesn't help us. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't answer the question. Doesn't help. Only hurts. It only hurts. So, I mean, hey, you want to put give it to Simmons? That that's that's a okay by me. Um, KJ Wright, come on, come on home, KJ, come on <laughs> home. Like you know, come on, dude. What sign a one year deal? This team is this team's this team's ready. This this team can win. And I feel a heck of a lot better if it's KJ Wright. In fact, uh, this got you know proposed the other day. I saw it kind of floating around on Twitter. It was like, hey, rank these three dudes in in the order of how you'd want them if the Seahawks could sign them. And it was uh, KJ Sherman and Julio Jones. And I, I thought you brought it, that up I on looked, the show last time. Oh, was that me? I don't even remember. <laughs> this was, like I said, rec- whether it was floating on Twitter, maybe I said it. Th- these are things that I don't recall, but I'm still in the camp of KJ Wright is the guy I, I just don't think we had julio jones in there last time i don't think maybe maybe we did yeah we but did. either way okay good you, you remember more than i do but i still want i still want kj right back out of anybody that's out there he's the dude that i think could be the glue and just really tied us over for one more year because i still just do not i i don't want to see you know bbk or, or, or barton out there as our as like you know filling in that spot just don't feel good about that brandon yeah, well, at least you're consistent. That was your answer last time we talked too. So that's <laughs> <laughs> well. I remember. I remember last last time. I think I was like, oh, I don't want Trey Lance to be on the Niners. And I was like, I don't want you know. I don't want it to be you know. I, I was all over the all over the place with uh, with my reg my own recollection. So at least this time I remembered what I what I had said. That's 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 a start, right? So amazing and a lot and a lot of fun. Um, well, I think we I think we ran through. Uh, so. I'd love to see if there's other other thoughts or philosophies out there about, you know, maybe we're missing some players. This might be a cool uh, topic when you start doing your, you know, you know, your rivals week to kind of bring it up and be like, hey, who are we missing from their perspective, from Bears perspective, the dudes on the 49ers podcast, right? From their perspective, who are their like next Jordan Brooks that they're getting fired up about that they think are going to really emerge and, and step in and be a thorn in our side. Yeah, definitely something to look at going forward. And I think it's time to bring in Phil for some pain games. What do you say, Clinton? Listen, plus Q enter Sandman, bring in, bring in Phil for pain games and uh, let, let's rock and roll. How you doing, Phil? All right, man. All right. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Good show so far. I, I, I was getting a kick out of the uh, rankings. It was uh Far more interesting than I might have expected. That was pretty. That was I thought the show appealing. was going to be lame, guys, but it turned out to be pretty cool. <laughs> nice. That's, hey, that's hey, Phil, exactly that what I'm us. here to do. I'm here to bring the painful compliments, even as I do. Yeah, excellent. Okay, well, I I got to thinking last week after the show. I was like, it's called the pain games with Phil, and it wasn't very painful. We basically had like fun conversation about about fat, lean, you know, I don't know. It just wasn't very painful. So I really felt like I needed to up the the pain, the agony. Uh, so we're going to, we're really going to bring it Uh-oh. this time. You know, sometimes you, you got to prepare yourself for what might happen in the season. Maybe you got your go-to playlist or song. I, I don't know. I, I didn't bring my squeaky chair. So I'm going to uh, share a little <laughs> squeaky voice to, to, to affect Brandon's sensitive hearing. Um, Possibly, you know, sometimes it's like this happened, but we can get through this like uh, little rascal flats. Let it hurt. Right. You know, let it bleed. You know, or uh, but if it's really sad, you're going to throw on some R.E.M. and everybody hurts sort of <laughs> sort of thing. And uh, I, I don't know where you're at on that, but I'm going to let you pick here. This is going to be pain versus pain, pain versus pain. I got three little three little uh duplicate categories here and i'll let you guys uh clinton i don't know if you want to go with for first do you want to do injuries not extending or losing so we have three categories clinton injuries not extending or losing think about it's pain versus pain all right i'm gonna go with the one that sounds the least painful because two of those are terrible so and one's not good uh, hence the name of the game but i'll go with uh not extending for for uh, round one there phil 
not extending might be the least painful for this year, but long-term it could be sad. Okay. <laughs> Number one. Sure. Wandre or DJ not extending pain versus pain. Oh, goodness gracious. You, you, you son of a, uh, let's, let's look here. I'll, I'll give Clinton <laughs> some time. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll jump yeah. in first with this one. Okay. I yeah, would say as much as it pains me, I would say allow Quandre to move on. And that's because I'm still holding out hope that Marquise Blair can take over at that spot. Okay. Yeah. And, right. I, and I was gathering my, my thoughts and my vibes and, and it's, I don't want to let go either, but I'm, I'm in the same bucket. Uh, Quandre, if he leaves, I think we have enough talent there and we've shown the ability to kind of replace that him being the, the most recent, but even, even mid season, make a trade, being able to replace that spot with a high level of competency, um, you know, and, okay. and DJ, I mean, hopefully, man, hopefully he's, he's, he's going to emerge as, as a legit, you know, one quarter uh, corner this year. So, yep. Quandra is the answer. All right. Here's the other one. This might be a little more painful. Try to start up easy. You know, you get that shot from the dentist before they, uh, you know, Oh, sure. You hope it works. I know you that hope it works. Okay. So this one, not extending Wayne or neither of the tight ends. So Disley and Everett are both neither extended or Dwayne Brown, not extended. Okay. So it's, it's, it's two for one. Is that, that's, I got that right. Right. So it's like, you, you don't, either don't get Dwayne after this year, or you don't get either of the tight ends after this year. Okay. Um, after this one year, huh? Oh man. Uh, they both have one. This... They both have one left if I'm not mistaken. Am I right, Brandon? Let's see with Will. I know Gerald Everett is just on a one year deal. It's, it's and whether or not into his fourth. Okay. I think he's into I'll, his fourth. I'll take, yeah. I'll take the first, the first whack here. I'm still going to let both tight ends go. And I realize that, you know, I, I realize where our left tackle is in terms of, uh, in terms of like how many more years he has left. Again, I'm going to go with the idea that players are playing a little bit longer. And if we can get like that Whitworth style sunset, from from uh, from our Dwayne there, maybe he yeah. gives us two, three, four more years. You know, maybe maybe three of highly highly competent left tackle, and that is a tougher position to replace. So for me, it's Vamanos to the 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 duo of tight ends. I got to go with that too. As much as it's painful to pass on Will Disley, yes. All right, I think I agree so far. All right, all right, Clinton. So far, we're totally agreeing. I didn't make these uh, tough choices, but we'll see no, here. They're, they're not now easy. Now you can though. go with either injuries, injuries, or losing. What's the next category? All right, Brandon, you, your your dealer's choice for you. All right, well, going with the musical theme, let the bodies hit the floor. Let's go with injuries. <laughs> <laughs> and we're crying when we found out about this. Okay, so injuries number one. Would it be more painful sometime halfway through the season-ish to lose either Tyler Noe Lockett or Chris Carson? Oofy toofy. Um, well, since Julio Jones is going to be on the team, it would be <laughs> it would be plenty easy to accept missing a couple games from Tyler Lockett. I I admire that. I'm going to go. I'm actually going to go the other way and say that if the the it's the more pain if we lose, I think I'm saying this right. No, I'm with you. Yes. It's easier to lose Lockett. Yeah, I am with you. So more pain. No, 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 no. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm going the other way. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm confused. It's I don't want to lose Carson. So what does that mean? Uh, yeah. So yes. Yeah, more easy to lose so Lockett. You could, you'd take the pain of the punch in the face of Tyler versus the kicking somewhere else with Chris Carson. Pretty much is what you're saying. Uh, yes. So it's which, which yes, pain do you they're want? Painful no matter what. They're painful yes. no matter what. Okay. I don't even know if I can do this one. All right. <laughs> That's okay. You're bringing you're, you're in the, bad juju so, into the world here, Phil. This is uh, this is at uh, a potential peril. Okay, so I'm changing this question as I ask it. Okay. <laughs> so Dwayne Brown. Or let the Niners fans pick anybody other than Russell Wilson to be hurt. Dwayne Brown or somebody other. And you could protect Dwayne and Russell. He's automatically protected. But you could only protect Dwayne. And they could say, oh, DK is going to be hurt. Chris is going to be hurt. Adam's going to be hurt. Or would you say Dwayne Brown is your definite most painful after Russell Wilson? Oh, these are terrible, Phil. Um, I, I will quickly say i think it is 
I think it, I think he is because he's the left tackle. And I don't think I'm not sure we have, uh, you know, don't want to lose, don't want to lose any, anybody. And, and of course, injuries will happen. I mean, man, is there, is there somebody that could slide over and, and do a decent enough job? Um, I'm, uh, Wrong answer, Clinton. You do not let the Niners get to pick. You just, you accept that <laughs> Dwayne's going down. Screw the Niners. They don't get a selection. I, that's, Never that's let what the I'm Niners taking. fans do it. Never let the Niners fans pick your second. Yeah. Love- okay. So. All right, here we go. Pain versus pain, losing number one. So you have to take two losses. Okay, I'm imagining we're going 15 and two here anyway, but okay. You have to take two losses. What would be more painful? Two to the Rams or two to Santa Clara? Um, I'll just, I think, I think losing two to the Rams would still be more painful. I, my, my, I have more hatred for them right now than I do, uh, the whiners, yeah, I'm going to go with, with them. And I think if we lose and the, the philosophy is also that if we lost two to the Rams, even at 15 and two, um, then that probably means they're 15 and two and, and they're still, they're still somehow getting the number one seed. So the additional pain of, uh, you know, not, not getting home field, even at 15 and two. So two against the Rams for me would hurt more. Well, the, the thing is though, Clinton, is that there just aren't enough Rams fans out there that you would ever hear anything <laughs> from them. So That's if we true. lost yeah. two you games don't. to the 49ers, we oh, would hear yeah. about it. And so I, by it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would take the, the two losses to the Rams. Ah, hideous either way. But yeah, I think I'm, I'm with you on that one, Brandon, because I I always get surrounded all of a sudden, all these 49er fans just, decide to be loud anytime something bad happens to the Seahawks, especially if they end up are involved. And Ryan in the chat says, as long as we don't lose three times to either. That, that, that I love that. That's, that's a true fact there. And, you know, I live on the East coast, so I just don't, I don't have, well, number one, there are no LA Rams fans period. Right. So, so sure, sure as heck, not any on the East coast. And then you do get your occasional 49ers fan out here, but guess what? They're like, my age or like my dad's age. And they're just like a Montana fanboy who also likes Notre Dame. And like, that's just what you get in the Northeast. And I can, I can understand that because they were a great team and they'll corner you in the, uh, you know, in the beer store and talk to you about Roger Craig's, uh, uh, you know, yeah. leg kick for, for half Why an hour. Why isn't Roger and- Craig in the hall of fame yet? <laughs> that's the uh, conversation yes. I have with the East coast Niners fans, no love which is, for the which Niners. Is, which is not that bad compared to being surrounded by, you know, uh, people out, people out on the West coast there. Four Niners are so disrespected in the in in the country, aren't they? Okay, the final one. This might be the most painful question of the year. I don't know. Um, so as I ask it, I'm going to go somewhere psychologically with it. I think so. You kind of have to go there to think about it, and I think it actually will provide like sedative and help, and and maybe put some perspective to how people have been thinking. Um, but here it is: the final question: pain versus pain. We lose in round one again or lose the Super Bowl somehow on the goal line? Oh, Phil. Oh. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This is terrible, terrible, terrible Phil. Um, Okay, if I could step into the, the, oh, you know, Brandon, I've been, I've been hogging it. Why don't you, why don't you go first? Okay, yeah, thanks for giving me this one first. Your whole pain playlist is ready for this, or maybe it's not like these experiences in my house. We have nothing but quiet. It seems like for an hour when something like this happens, uh, just, just how I, it goes. But uh, I will take as much as it would pain me. I think it would be less painful to lose in the Super Bowl because if we lose in the first round one more year with Russ. There's going to yeah. be so oh, many more yeah. questions in the off season at next yeah. year about what is the deal with Russell Wilson? Why can he not get past the first round of the playoffs year after year now? I, I think it brings up more questions in that regard than if you just lose again in uh, at the end of a Super Bowl. Yeah, and I'll, I'll I I'm with you, and it's like I'm also in the psychological exercise imagining that I don't know the outcome. I got to choose now, but then like I take the blue pill and I go back into the, into the matrix and I don't know that that's going to happen. So I get the joy of the first round that I get the joy of an NFC championship game. And then I get the heartbreak, but I could deal with that heartbreak in the moment. It would hurt like heck, but I would really yes. love to have the NFC championship joy back in that week or that two weeks of being fired up for the Super Bowl again. 
with all the 12s, as long as I didn't know the outcome in advance, and I realized I have to do a split personality thing here, but, but that's how I'm playing it, Phil. Okay. I think it's impossible to pick, isn't it? But it'd be so painful either way. But then what, like what Brandon was saying, the possibility of losing Russ and everything falling apart if we lost in the first round. I just think it shows that unless you win the last game when you're a playoff team, it's hard not to lose your thankfulness for being a fan. Because unless you win that Super Bowl, it seems like it's always a challenge to stay appreciative for the kind of team you get to cheer for when your team's in the postseason. But, you know, only one out of 14 get to do that. So I think that gives a little perspective. Pain is likely when you cheer for a good team. Postseason losses always hurt. And I think we've experienced the hurt now of two Super Bowls. I think it would probably, if a third one might, I, I, it might hurt a little <laughs> bit less. I don't know. You should, so I get the advantage of, of looking at Brandon. He's just kind of like staring up. He's like, dude, you can see like it's, it's, it's the meme of the guy doing hard math, you know, just in his head with like all the, all the algorithms and stuff like whizzing by. He's trying to process this. I like, Hey, for me, this one, I could simplify this because I'm, I'm a simple man here. We're continuing our, our music theme and winning is better than losing. And if we, if we win that first game and then and win, win the championship game before we get to Super Bowl, those, those are good feelings. Those are good times. And then, and then Phil, I want to be there because I want to figure out a way to break the system and still win the yes. Super Bowl. I want that. I want that <laughs> yeah. chance. I want that. that I want to be able to, you know, butterfly effect my way. And I don't know, build the time machine and HG Wells, this thing, and somehow, some way still get the Super Bowl victory and, and hold out hope uh, you know, and, and my, 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 and be naive about it and be fine with that. But end of the day, winning is better than losing. That means we won more games that season. And that's a good vibe. Yes. Let's all agree to hope none of these things happen that I asked about, but thanks guys. Hope you have a blessed Friday. Appreciate it. Phil. Awesome. Uh, I appreciate how you bring some Leonard Skinner there reference at the end, uh, Clinton. You're, you're very welcome. Listen, we had uh, we had the uh, the bodies drop hitting the floor. Who's who's that again? I forget drowning the name pool. of that. Uh, oh, that's right, drowning pool. Right, right. So we had we had quite we kind of went around the horn with with some nice musical references throughout the episode. So you know you get a chance to throw a little little Skinner in, and it's not Freebird. You got it. You got to take the even if it is Freebird, you do it, and then you scream, you know, play some Freebird. But if it, if you could go with something else, you do it. You take the you take the chance. You make it happen. So and I appreciate you picking it up. Play some free bird. Play us on out of here, Clinton. Uh, it was a, another fun week with the rankings. And man, I think with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. I want to fly.